Hello and welcome to the Here's What I'm Seeing podcast, conversations from the front lines of life and leadership. I am your host, Adam Tarno, joined as always by my co-hosts, Cynthia Culver and Jeff Straza. Guys, how are we doing today? Doing well. Great. Doing great today. Good to have you guys back in studio. So, uh, Jeff, we got a treat today. We've got an interview with one of your longtime friends and colleagues. So why don't you set up our time for this episode? Yeah, today we have Loria Seidel joining us, and um, we've known each other for over 20 years, worked together in a couple of different organizations. We continue to track as colleagues and doing some consulting together. Um, I just think she has a really unique and exceptional view of coaching leaders, and I think you're going to be in for a big treat today. Yeah. Listen to this interview, and then uh, we'll be back with some final thoughts. Well, Loria, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Yes. So uh, you and Jeff have worked together, I guess, for almost over 20 years. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. It's been right at 20 years. Okay. So what's his most annoying habit? You know, I have to say She has to think about it? Yeah. I have to say that I have coached him out of all of his annoying habits. There you go. What <laughs> what great marketing that is. Yes, right great there. answer. So if you like Jeff, then you're going to love <laughs> Loria and the way that she... At least one of these co-hosts is self-actualized. That's I right. think that's what she's trying to say. That's right. All right, that's Loria. Right. So uh, we, could, we could do a whole podcast on Jeff's annoying habits, that's but we true. won't. So why don't you do this? Why don't you give our listeners just your 30-second resume, introduce yourself, and uh, let them know what you've been up to. Sure. Um, Loria Seidel, obviously. And, you know, when I think about it, I've had a lot of different titles. But at the core of who I am, I think I've always played three roles just over and over and over. And those roles are coach. So in every role I've ever had, I've found myself coaching other people in one, you know, one way or another, right? Consultant and then strategist. So where do we want to go and how do we want to get there? How do we build things? How do we fix things? Um, And I've been doing kind of internal and external coaching and consulting for about the last 15 years or so, really um, in working with Jeff uh, and another friend of ours uh, at SMU earlier in our careers. They did a lot of outside consulting, and so they brought me along for the ride and got me hooked. So I do a, a fair amount of that. My coaching is typically around leadership development and Consulting kind of falls uh, in line with that being around training and development, performance management, engagement, culture building. I'd have to say probably for the last few years, I've I've come to focus more on women's leadership. Um, I don't know if that's um, because I'm being drawn into it by other people or if I just keep reaching out to women and creating these groups where we want to get better as leaders, but that's where I find myself is really kind of specializing in women's leadership. That's awesome. Well, I, I'm sure we're going to be hear, hearing more about that as this uh, interview goes on. But um, Jeff thinks something's missing from your resume. I guess there was a stint Uh-oh. at a record store. Yeah, there was a, a, little, a little stint as a record store manager um, back in the day. And um, the that's day. we always have this banter about music between us. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, I've got to put you on the spot. And what was, what was one of your favorite albums that was a hot seller back then? Oh, my goodness. Um, well, I'll have to say that the first day on the job, I walked into Madonna's borderline. It had just been released. <laughs> but, that, that's unfortunate. Uh, hey, superstar. Hello. <laughs> However, what, what happens, I got really good at picking the next number ones. I wound up doing playlists for a bunch of the clubs in the area. And I would have to say that when Whitney Houston first landed that very first album of hers, I was blown away, and I ordered the heck out of that thing. <laughs> All right. 
Man, now we got another episode because I want to hear more about that, your ability to pick number ones. That's Yeah, yeah. No, I'm good at it. All right. So as you know, this podcast is about what people are seeing on the front lines of life and leadership. And so today we want to hear your perspective on things. So what are you seeing out there right now? That's a great question. Um, I think to sum it up, I would say I'm seeing that radical self-awareness, hmm. and I love that term, yeah. uh, is a major step in becoming an effective leader. Yeah. So unpack that. I mean, what, what has caused you to see that and to, uh, to, yeah, to have that perspective right now? Well, um, I, as I mentioned, I work with a lot of women leaders and what I'm seeing them do is take a look at a successful leader and just trying to emulate what they see being done, which certainly we can learn that way. Um, or I see them reading the latest book and trying to follow here are the top 10 tips that you need to do uh, in order to become an effective leader. Or they're on autopilot. So they're just doing the best they can, but they're not really thinking about it. And at, at the end of the day, what happens is that these leaders are, are rarely as successful as they could be, but they're also rarely satisfied with how they're showing up as a leader. Yeah. I mean, I can definitely relate to that, uh, especially this idea of em- emulating other leaders or reading books and trying to just go and act like whoever the, they say, you know, the author tells you to go act like. Uh, I have certainly done that uh, and guilty. But it's really interesting to hear you say that that's maybe not a great long-term strategy. So unpack that. Why do you think that's maybe not the best thing to do when it comes to being a leader right now? Well, first off, I think people know you're faking it. <laughs> I, Very well said. There we, there we go. I like it. No, but, the, but I, you're probably right. Yeah. Um, and I can't tell you how many times that people will come to me and say, yeah, so my leader's doing this. It's the flavor of the month. We know that they went to some conference when they read the latest book, and it'll last about a month or two. And then they're back to their old habits. So there's no... Um, there's no commitment to it. There's no real change that actually happens. Yeah. So if this radical self-awareness is so important, um, how do you coach leaders on how to become more self-aware? Do you have some steps that you walk them through with all of this? Yeah, absolutely. So my background actually is in counseling. So master's degree, um, um, I'm all but dissertation in counselor education. So that deep introspective dive is something that comes kind of naturally to me after... um, all that education in that space. And so I do ask people to look uh, into themselves, but I start with helping them understand what is most important to them. So what are their core values? Um, I I start sometimes just by giving them a list and saying, here we go. We're going to narrow this down. Let's start identifying the things that are really important to you. Um, and go from there. Yeah. That, that's, that starts the conversation. Have you ever asked a leader, what are, your va- what are your values and they can articulate them without looking at the list? Yes, yeah. sometimes. But here's what happens. Um, if they've already done this work, they're good at it, right? They know who they are. They can rattle them off and then give you um, compelling examples of how they're trying to live up to those values, right? But most of the time, what I get is I get maybe one or two that are close. And then I get a repeat of what's on the wall. So it's the corporate values that are on the wall. Everybody's like, integrity. Integrity is important to me. Of course, integrity is important to me. I'm like, well, it's important to everybody. So yes, integrity should be important to you. But when I start to to dig and I say, how are you living out integrity in the way you show up on the job? I'm hard pressed or I'm pressing them hard to give me an answer. And they're like, 
I can't tell you that. I, I'd have to really think about it. That tells me they're not off autopilot yet, right? They're not being very mindful about how do I make this decision with great integrity? Because it is that important to me. It hasn't become that decision-making defining value if they can't immediately tell me how it helps them make a, make a decision about what they're going to do next. You know, one thing, having worked with you, Laurie, for a long time is that I think you're really exceptionally good at is drawing out uh, the courage in the leader. And can you right. talk, speak to that a little bit and how that kind of comes into the values discussion? Sure. Um, I challenge people to be courageous in a lot of ways. In fact, it's one of my three words for the year. <laughs> courage, connection, and creativity are my three kind of values for the year. Um, and if you look at it, in the board that's behind me, it says, choose courage over comfort. And that's a Brene Brown quote. So courage is a big word for me. Um, I think it takes courage for people to really dig deep and say, these are the top two or three things for me. Because in order to say yes to those things, they have to say other things are not as important. And women, especially, is, is my experience, in my experience, women have a a harder time saying just these because they think it's important for them to be good at everything and for them to value everything. I mean, I'm giving you a list of values. There's not a bad value on that list. They're all good. And so what I often get back is I don't know how to choose. I'm like, yeah, that's the problem. We're, we've been taught we have to do all of these things. So I literally take them through, choose 10, choose five, now choose one. If it's the only word I can use to describe you at your retirement party, what word does that need to be? Wow. I'm just thinking that takes one word. You, you just say no to everything else. It's yeah. going to take me three months to figure that out. <laughs> <laughs> that is. But, and you know, uh, Lori, why is this the most important place to start? I mean, why is it so important to identify values? Because, um, you know, there's so many other places you could start with. What are your strengths or what's your personality or what's your experience or what are you good at? But why do you see and why do you think starting with your values is so important? Yeah, um, a couple of things. So first off, if you're going to be a leader and you're going to walk into an organization and say, hi, I'm your new leader, people want to know who you are. And that comes down to your values. They want to know how you're going to make decisions and why you make those decisions. What's most important to you? Because if you're going to join their organization, for example, if I'm hiring somebody, I want to know that you're going to be a culture ad, that you're going to add positively by the way that you live out your values here and not a culture drain. So if I know you from that perspective, given that you've got the technical skills to do the job, um, I'm far more likely to choose someone who knows themselves well from a, from a perspective of values. You know, at the, at the end of the day, workplaces are full of people. People are hardwired for connection. We want to connect to our leaders and we want to connect to one another. We need to know that we're going to get a great connection with you. Um, and as a hiring manager, that's not something I can see on a resume. Your resume tells me what you do, but I need to know who you are and how you're going to do it. How, how would you uh, approach someone if they are unaware, if they are a culture drain? You know, in other words, you've gotten feedback yeah. or there's some things going on and, you, you know, right. you're, you're hearing that they're, you know, maybe their style or how they're approaching people is a culture drain. How do you approach someone if they lack that awareness? Yeah, um, that's a courage building moment, right? So it calls upon us as their 
either their coach or a colleague in the organization to have what can feel like a really difficult conversation. But I kind of go to this place of the most generous spot I can find myself in relative to them. So I want to show up and say, I believe you are doing the best you can with what you've got in every moment of every day. Because that puts me into the right frame of mind to be able to say, my intent here is to help you be amazing, is to help you get better and better and better. Most of the time I've built a relationship with somebody that's already trustworthy, right? So me coming to them and saying, I know your intention is really good, but that remark or how you're showing up in this way is actually not getting you what you want uh, in the long run. They can hear it because they already trust me. But if I do it well in a space where we don't have high trust, actually landing that well creates trust, right? Um, On occasion, I've just had to to be blunt and pull out the old um, Dr. Phil question and say, you know that thing you're doing? How's that working for you? I got to tell you, it's not. Let, let me help you here. Let, let me widen your view so that you can see how you're showing up. Because leaders don't always get the feedback that they need. A lot of people are very reluctant to go upward in an organization and say, that thing that you did didn't work. So somebody's got to tell them. That's right. Four episodes, just let the record state. It took us four episodes to get Dr. <laughs> Phil on. Oh, my gosh. Here's what I'm seeing. <laughs> I love it. I'm happy. I'm really happy that I we've got too. that Not on bad. there. So, Not bad. Well done. You're in the front running for uh, our favorite guest so far, Lori. I appreciate that. No, but, okay, but in all so, seriousness, I like what you're saying here. One of the main reasons is that people want to know who they're getting as a leader. And I think about times when I've started new roles or new jobs and I'm not thinking what people want to know right now is who I am. I, th- I will mistakenly believe they want to know what I've done in the past. Or and, what I can do. And what I can do, what my skills are. And so I like how you're, you're uh, saying that because I think that's a really challenging question for a lot of leaders is do, do the people that you're responsible for leading right now, do they know who you are? And if not, then you probably need to go back to the step one of radical self-awareness is understanding and articulating your values. And it can't be all of them. And it can't be somebody else's. It can't be like, well, whatever that author is or that blogger or whoever that TED Talk guy, you know, or, or lady was, whatever she said, that those are my values. You can't say that. It, they've got to be yours. They're your core values. So, okay, so you start with the values and that that makes a lot of sense. And I appreciate you unpacking that. So then, then where do you lead somebody after they're able to articulate their values? What's step two in this uh, radical self-awareness? Um, well, uh, let me say like step 1.5 yeah. is, is adding all the things you just mentioned uh, a moment ago. So values is a crucial piece, but work styles, understanding how you communicate with other people, understanding your strengths. You know, I'm a huge fan of these assessments that teach us just more about ourselves and about each other. So I always throw those in. I just don't start there. But, but once we have that fuller view of, you know, who are you? What are your gifts? Your unique gifts in this situation um, that's hugely important. But step two is really more about now that I know what's really important to me and I know some of these things about myself, um, you got to grow comfortable with that and you got to learn to trust yourself and listen to yourself. Too many times what I hear from my women leaders is, um, yeah, I wish I had listened to my gut on that. I wish I had listened to that little voice inside of myself. I made a bad decision because I got talked out of it. And so you've got to get solid with yourself and be someone that you yourself can trust before you can really ask a lot of other people to 
to join in trusting you. So um, I'm. you're talking about women and leadership and you're talking mm-hmm. about, um, you know, just some of the, the things that are in the way. I would love to know what you feel like are the barriers that you've seen to women being able to trust themselves, being able to understand um, and hear their own mm-hmm. voice. I think... Uh, in as much as we've, we've kind of um, beat this topic to death out there in literature and in conversations, women are still, often, at least in this this environment, raised to believe that they should be all things to all people and that taking care of yourself comes last. So it's a big thing. Whenever I, I, I teach classes on this, I teach class on trust. I will kind of pull the room and I'll ask, you know, how many of the women in here will cancel the workout that you have at lunch scheduled for you yourself because someone asked you to get something done out of the blue? Almost all of them will cancel. I'm like, how many of you will cancel? Almost none of them will cancel. I'm like, okay, you see, there's a difference here. Some of us get and are just better at, I got to take care of myself in order to do what I do well. And women tend to let themselves run out. They tend to to let their tank get to empty and not take care of themselves. They're not giving themselves someone they can trust. So that's one of those things is that self-care and feeding of self uh, in a variety of ways gets in the way. Um, I think there's another obstacle in that um, we get imposter syndrome pretty easily, right? So we show up in a role and we're like, I don't think I can do this. Um, They hired the wrong person. I really can't stretch to do it. And I see a difference in how men and women approach a new role. A woman often will approach a role thinking, I have to have all of the skills, all of the knowledge and all of the experience to even apply for that role. My men, however, will be like, I'm about 60, 70% on those skills. I'll figure out the rest. They have more confidence in their ability to do that on the job. You know, we just did an episode here recently on imposter syndrome and, uh, we really got into it. I'd love for you to talk just a little bit more about that from your perspective. Can you share an example when you've been coaching someone who is struggling with imposter syndrome? Um, sure. So I think the biggest aha was um, I was coaching kind of a senior, a, a, a mid-level manager, if you will. And she was very focused on, I've got to be technically just perfect, perfect at my job, right? I've got to hit every single number. Everything has to be hundred percent accurate. And she was, you know, absorbing a lot of this, but that was her focus. And whenever I would talk to her about it, she was, I just don't know. I don't feel like I'm as, as um, productive or I'm as successful as some of my counterparts here. And we started to unpack that and that belief that she couldn't be that successful was around, I don't have the relationships with senior leaders that I need. So she was trying to get everything technically correct, thinking that's the way to impress everybody. She was failing to create dialogue, to create trust, trusting relationships with senior leaders across that whole organization. And as soon as we, you know, kind of came upon this, she was like, duh, uh, okay, I don't have the confidence because I don't have a relationship where they feel like they can give me feedback or where I can ask for help. I'm trying to do it all myself and I'm coming up short. I just don't feel worthy in that way. So sometimes we get cap- we get captured in that that I have to be technically the best at everything um, just to get the, get the role. But then sometimes we just don't feel like we are worthy period. 
there's a worthiness issue. Um, Brene Brown, of course, I'm a Dare to Lead facilitator, so I'm very steeped in her work, talks a lot about this issue of shame. And we're taught, we can all think about that, that moment in our childhood when we learned um, that we weren't good enough, that somebody told us we weren't good enough, that what we did was not up to, up to snuff. Um, we carry that for a really long time. And women tend to do that for a really long time. And they don't talk about it a lot. So we've got to get good at being able to say, Let, let's identify that and let's let it go. Let's repair in ourselves if we need to. It's quasi therapy, I know, sounding, but talk ourselves out of that because it's just not true. Yeah. I can see how these are all tying together and how important both of them are. When you can identify your values, then uh, for some people that might be new, even to articulate them and to take a stand a little bit and feel that courage and that spine stiffening to go, you're right, this is who I am. And now I, I, it, it seems a little counterintuitive, but again, now that I'm hearing you talk about it, it does seem right. Now you got to develop your trust in who you are, which is a, ladder, a little countercultural for a lot of things where I think we're often told, don't listen to that little voice inside your head, right? That little voice inside your head is telling you to sit on the couch and eat the bag of potato chips and not go exercise, right? That's, that's what the voice is always telling me to eat peanut butter and watch Seinfeld episodes. That's what the voice is telling me. And so I, I can learn to quiet that voice sometimes and go, no, don't trust your gut. Your gut gets you in trouble. Um, but I think you're challenging that and going to make me you know, think about that a little bit more to go, no, there is probably some gut feelings you've got that are right. And you need to learn how to differentiate between when that gut's going to lead you somewhere you want to go and when it might lead you off track with all that. And all that's part of this radical self-awareness. So I like that. So, okay. So step one is knowing yourself then you're trusting yourself. And then where do you take people? What's step three in all this? So, you know, we have to build this, this grounded confidence, I guess is kind of the way uh, Bernie Brown talks about it. Build grounded confidence so that we can be who we are as a leader. And that's strengths and weaknesses on full display. She talks a lot about, and I, I see this all the time, that when we walk into a room, we armor up. So we, we put on our armor to say, I'm going to do battle, so I'm going to go in there and I'm not going to admit to failure. I'm not going to admit to mistakes. Um, I'm going to do all these things to protect myself. And instead, if we are able to know ourselves and we are able to trust ourselves, we can put all that armor down and walk in feeling confident that we will be able to navigate, that we will be able to figure it out with the people in the room. So when we get to that third step, it really is about you being wholly who you are and authentic, that word gets kicked around a lot. Be an authentic leader. If you don't do steps one and two, you can't be authentic because you don't know who you are and you haven't given yourself someone to trust so no one else can trust you either. But by step three, that's who you are, is that you know who you are when you walk in the room and so does everybody else. But the, the first sentence you said there, I think, is where a lot of leaders are going to get tripped up. Strengths and weaknesses, right? Like good and bad. So talk about that a little bit more. Because again, I think that's something that maybe isn't in the books oftentimes or on the podcast or in the TED Talks that are, hey, who you are is not uh, awesome all the time. You know, you've got some flaws and don't hide that. Right. So I'm a huge fan of, of um, knowing your weaknesses, but not um, fixating on them. So from a strengths-minded perspective, um, we grow more quickly and um, better in the area of our true talents, right? But, but school has told us, and all of these in- entities have told us, you got to be well-rounded, fix all your potholes. That's where to focus all your time. I'm like, no, 
Now, sometimes you got to fill in that pothole enough so that you don't fall in and, and, and wreck every single time you hit it. But you've got to really work on those strengths. But the thing with the potholes is you got to mitigate those for yourself as a leader. And that usually means you got to build the team around you. You need great partners. You need a great team that you are leading that can help fill in in the places where you are not strong. And you have to be clear that that is what they are doing and trust them to do it. So if you're not technically strong in a place, you get someone who is technically strong. You hire that person and you tell them, this is why you're on the team. I need you to bring this every single day. And I've got to trust you to be able to deliver. Yeah. That's good. So what are some ways, if we just look at your own leadership journey, Lori, what are some ways that you are trying to live out this radical self-awareness? So ways that you're, um, you know, knowing and articulating and living by values, trusting yourself, and then ultimately being who you are, uh, flaws and all. Right, right. Well, um, I started the year with those three words, um, courage, connection, and creativity. And literally, they're on my watch, they're on my phone, they're in my face all day long. So I've taken that the values piece of this and said, I'm going to remind myself on a daily basis of who it is I, I, I want to be. This is what's really important to me. Um, if I really had to, I, I love alliteration, alliteration, so I'd throw compassion in there as my fourth C. That's probably really number one. But it's that reminding of my reminding myself every day. This is who I want to be. But then it's it's a lot more than that. I have um, some high trust relationships. Jeff is one of those. In my life, I have three Jeffs in my life. One's my husband. One's this Jeff I've worked with for twenty years, um, and uh, another one now. So literally, they're all named Jeff. Yeah, they're all named Jeff. I, oh, wow. I'm number two. Yeah. So he's not he's a number, metaphor. I've he's been not number a one, but I'm not <laughs> number one anymore. I've been demoted. That's awesome. Yeah. All right. So you got I three. Three Jeffs. That's good. I laugh and say, if something goes wrong, I can just yell Jeff and somebody will come running. <laughs> or if something goes wrong, I can just blame Jeff and it, there will, you go. it will be right. Yeah, whoever, it was probably Jeff. But th- that relationship is really important to me. So we also have another partner we work with, Gene, that I've, I've gotten to know a lot more here re- recently. And having those people who can really talk to you um, and, and Jeff, number two, uh, often will make me pause down and say, how are you? I mean, for real, how are you? Not what do we have to get done? He forces me to go into myself and say, how am I doing? And I resist it every single time, but, you know, he gets his way. So that's one of those things is those people around you. I have a best friend for life. Those people make a huge difference. You've got to find those people in your life who will take the time to hold you accountable to what's important to you in very gentle ways. But then I do other things. Um, You know, I read the books. So I I am a huge fan of that. So it's not, um, I don't discount that at all. I think you can learn a lot in those ways. Um, I go and get a tune-up for myself. I've had executive coaching multiple times in my life. And sometimes I'm like, I just need to go talk to someone who gets it for a few sessions and kind of get myself moving back in that right direction. Um, Those types of things really, really help me. Jeff journals. um, So he will check in. He will check in with me. He'll be like, I'm feeling this way. Let's talk about it. I'm like, all right, let's talk about it. And he will write about it. So you got to find what works for you. Um, And and there's no, um, 
there's no right or way, right or wrong way to do that. Yeah, that's really good. Now, I know all three of these steps are, um, you know, it's not like, oh, here's, you know, a very clear, bright line between step one and step two and step two and three. And so we're, we're just trying to provide some some framework and, and handle holds for this by putting it into steps. But all of them are difficult. But if you had to force rank, which one is maybe most difficult in the leaders that you work with? Which one is most difficult that you're seeing? Is it the values piece? Is it the trust piece? Or is it the living out who you are piece? Yeah. So this reminds me of your three-part questions, Jeff. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to actually not answer the question you just asked me, Adam. I'm going to answer it slightly differently. Okay. Brilliant. Um, <laughs> Brilliant. Anyone's stage is more trouble. Don't trust that. Adam's mind games, okay? <laughs> <laughs> All right, that little voice inside is really stirred up today. <laughs> I, it depends on the person, but I don't think any any step itself is probably the issue. I think there's something in every one of those steps that can cause someone to get stuck. So if I if I'm thinking about women's leadership, so that's kind of who I'm engaged with the most at the moment. With step one, we just tend to be too self-critical um, and perfectionistic. I see that over and over and over again. They want to have all the good values, and the I, they really resist the idea of, of drilling down into just a couple of them. And then they, they shy away from some values, so things like financial security or ambition or leadership. They're, they, they're reluctant to even claim that that's something that they value. So you can get stuck there pretty easily and just choose the wrong ones because they sound good. Then in step two, um, I think that it is that honoring their own boundaries and saying, I have to take care of myself first, you know, put that mask on myself on the airplane first before I help everybody else. Getting them to actually do that is hard. Um, and then that last one, I think, goes back to that imposter syndrome. I think we get stuck they're thinking we're not good enough. We're not worthy of being in this leadership role and constantly second guessing ourselves. And that means that we will get talked out of what we know is a right decision. Yeah, that's so good. I like yeah. that. That's such a great list. That is really, really helpful to know yourself, to trust yourself, be who you are as a leader. And, you know, I, there may be somebody who's thinking this, and let's just go ahead and talk about it. When we say be who you are as a leader, we're not saying uh, don't change or grow, right? It's not, we're not saying you go through this one process and you understand everything. And then now forever, this is just who I am and I'm just going to be me uh, just this way and be stubborn and not grow. That's, that's not what you're saying, right? Right. Actually, that's, that's armor. Yeah, and that's really good. What you just good. described is I'm me and therefore everybody has to, you know, change to suit me. Um, it can be an excuse. So, um, I, I, I definitely think it's actually the opposite. And it goes back to what we said earlier. Um, you grow most in your direction, in the direction of your strengths. And so you should keep doing that. That's how you're going to be a true rock star. When you look at these amazing leaders that we point out and we're like, you know, emulate them, um, they're flawed. They're not well-rounded, but they are absolute rock stars in one or two different ways. And so when you look at, you know, the Bill Gates of the world or the Steve Jobs of the world or, um, um, I mean, there's just so many of them, right? They don't do everything. They know that they've got to fill in their own potholes, but they continue to grow and grow and grow where they are already awesome. So you've got to keep doing that um, in any ways, in any way that, that works for you. Loria, this has been fantastic. Thank you so much for your time with all this. So before we let you go, do you have any final thoughts that you want to share? 
Yeah, I do. When it comes to um, women in leadership, I have found over and over again that um, having that supportive community of a small group of other women who are on the same journey with you makes a huge difference. Over and over again, I have found myself pulling these women together to support one another. And every single time I've done it, um, they've come back to me later on and said, we never would have thought to come together in that way. And it was so beneficial. I don't feel alone. Um, I feel supported. I have this group now I can grow with um, and think with. And it just made all the difference in the world. And so I would encourage women to think about that in their own organizations. If those don't exist right now, for them to start creating them um, or to find them in the community. There, there are plenty of places, but don't feel like you have to do this alone. That's we, right. We can do this better together. That's awesome. Really, really well said. Thank you so much. How can people find out more about you and how can they connect with you? Um, you can find me on LinkedIn. I am currently uh, working on a new website. Uh, so that'll launch probably sometime in the new year. And that will focus on women's leadership, mostly in, in the coaching and a little bit of training area. And then I constantly uh, am a partner to Jeff. So you can uh, get to me through him, through Jeff Strasson. Jeff number two. Jeff number two. Jeff yeah. number two. Well, great. Well, we'll include a link to your uh, LinkedIn profile in the show notes so everybody can find find you and connect with you there. Thank you so much for your time, uh, Lori. This has been awesome. Thank you very much. Have a great day. Uh, guys, that was awesome. That was a great first time guest for us. I right mean, there. amazing. She that, was so good. Yes. Yeah, so I love that we talked about radical self-awareness and that was helpful for men and women. But I also love the focus that she had on women. As it was clear that was a passion of hers as, as we went through the interview. Right. And so, Cynthia, I'm looking to you. Like, could you identify <laughs> with a lot of what she was saying? Well, in the mid-podcast, I went and got my pen out so I could write some notes <laughs> for did. myself to that process later. I tried to be really quiet. Yeah. Oh my gosh, could I ever, I, I just, well, number one, I, I was thinking I need to go back and, and realign myself with my values. What are they? I know what my number one is, but my two and three. And then uh, the trust piece, I, I just so relate to, uh, do I trust myself in the moment? And I just, I really thought, you know, having the confidence to be able to trust in that moment when you're in a meeting or when something's going on to trust your gut instead of question. And so I just, I related to everything she was saying about that. And then she went into the imposter syndrome, which I thought was hilarious considering we just talked about that. And I thought that is a regular struggle. And it made me think back to our, our time as we recorded the last episode. I'm like, this is a real thing and it's ongoing. It's much more prevalent. I'm realizing self-disclosure in my own life, in the professional world. When I show up to places, it is way more prevalent than I thought it was. And I don't think I'm alone in that. All right. How about you, Jeff? Was there anything in what she shared that really hit you? Yeah, I specifically like when she talked about um, when leaders, men or women, that are either unintentionally or unaware of being a culture drain. Yeah. And I think about some leaders that I've coached or, and some even coaching currently that um, are just having a hard time getting out of their own way and not really being self-aware about their style. And so I thought she had some really good things to say there. Yep. Yep. She's a gift. I'm glad that we had her on here. I'm, I'm sure that people are going to go back to this episode over and over again. I love just the simplicity of values, trust, and then just go be who you are. Be who you are. You know, and I, I thought I, that was really good. I did too. And I really loved how she was saying that it's be who you are. Don't armor up. Don't, don't try to, co- to, to cover up your weaknesses, but actually 
you're you're going to have flaws and to show up and oh I love this and to re- to remember that to trust that you can navigate it when your weaknesses show up to trust yourself enough that when I get in there when my weaknesses show up I can navigate that yeah. and and that actually I love that because I was like oh yeah I can do that yes. that actually gave me some confidence yeah not so, if they show up when when absolutely and that you're going to be okay when that happens and don't armor up that. All of it. Fantastic. Well, so great. That was great. Guys, as always, great to be in studio with you guys. A lot of fun. Talk to you next time. All okay. right. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to Here's What I'm Seeing. If you found today's episode helpful, please do us a favor and subscribe or rate and review the show. That helps great people like you find us. For more information about the host of Here's What I'm Seeing, be sure to check out the show notes for links to our websites. As always, today's episode was mixed and edited by the great team over at Sound of a Rose. You can learn more about them at soundofarose.com. Once again, thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you again next time.